It's just after 10 a.m. on January 16, 2017, four days before the inauguration of Donald Trump. Alex and Eveline have already hacked the MPD's security feeds, and the hunt to capture them has begun. But that news hasn't reached the Berry Farm neighborhood of Washington, D.C. It's a fairly quiet morning when... A gunshot rings out, and a motorized wheelchair spins in place. If you were watching the nearest private security camera, you would see two men fleeing, unidentifiable due to the angle of the camera. And you would see the body of Vivian Marrow, a 68-year-old grandmother, the woman in the wheelchair, hit by a stray bullet. Local kids called her the Candy Lady. She played gospel music from her wheelchair, cooked for the neighborhood, and would take her neighbors who struggled with homelessness into her apartment. After the shooting, the Metropolitan Police Department offered a $25,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of the killers. But all the money in the world couldn't make up for the one piece of evidence that may have made all the difference. The missing footage. Because the camera that captured the figures fleeing the scene, that one had been privately installed. Ms. Marrow's landlords had recently added 22 security cameras after a spate of killings in the area. But the closest camera to the scene of the crime, the one that might have been able to close the case, like the cameras trained on the U.S. Capitol, the closest one was a D.C. police camera. And like the cameras trained on the U.S. Capitol, because of Alex and Eveline, That one had gone dark. I'm Mika Oyang. This is To Catch a Hacker, an audio series about cybercrime, what really happens, how we find the people behind them, and how they are brought to justice. Part three, the arrest. It's unclear who Miss Marrow's killers were or if they'll ever face justice. But what is clear is that cybersecurity extends far beyond the safety of the computer or even a computer network. Sometimes it's a real human life that can be protected or endangered. So what happens is the United States contacts Europol, right? So you've got the U.S. Secret Service, you know, the American police, Washington, D.C. And now you've got Europol, this, you know, all European police enforcement body that are saying, yes, we would love to catch these guys. These guys, of course, are Alex Izvanka and Evelyn Chismaru, two 20-something Romanian small-time criminals who caught the big one. They managed to shut down the security cameras monitoring the 2017 presidential inauguration and were now facing the full force of international law enforcement. So then they contact the Romanian police and they all kind of come up with a plan. Around this time, it's 10 days before Christmas 2017. It's been almost one year since the initial hack. Uh, Alex and Eveline are on their way to the airport and um, police stop them. They, they couldn't even get on the plane. Please uh, catch them at the airport. At the airport, Alex and Eveline were apprehended by the Romanian police. 
based on an arrest warrant issued by the U.S. Secret Service. Actually, I remember the breakthrough with Romania in, in particular. That's John Carlin. He's widely credited with leading the effort to indict international cybercriminals. But before that... I served for most of my career at the Justice Department. And during his years in law enforcement, John has seen cybersecurity rise as one of DOJ's top priorities. He ended up developing a specialty in prosecuting computer hacking and intellectual property cases. And there's actually a position for that that has, like everything in government, an acronym called CHIP. The CHIP program dates back to a certain prosecutor's time as the head of the U.S. Attorney's Office for Northern California. That prosecutor? Robert Mueller. The order appointing me as special counsel directed our office to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. Uh, and as someone who is not a big pop culture person, to put it mildly, he was unaware that there was a, had been a television show where people wore short shorts and drove around on motorcycles called Chips based on the California Highway Patrol. That name stuck. But to hear John tell it, the cybersecurity work he was doing was just on the criminal side of law enforcement. If a case ever became a matter of national security, then the case was swept away behind the locked door of the intelligence community. As a prosecutor, he didn't have access to that world. That is, until he became a part of the FBI leadership. When I went over to be the first counsel and then chief of staff at the FBI, the door opened. And I was able to see for the first time what was happening on that classified side of the house. And what I saw was an amazing feat of intelligence. There was a literal jumbotron screen, and you could watch in real time as nation states, particularly China, intruded upon places like universities, nonprofits, would hop from there into America's companies and then we would literally watch as data was exfiltrated out of those companies. Intellectual property, trade secrets, trade negotiation strategies, all leaving the country. It's what the former head of the National Security Agency, Keith Alexander, called the largest transfer of wealth in human history. Though Romania was less insidious as an adversary, it protected its fair share of data hackers, too. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a place where people could commit these crimes with relative impunity, and they had um, you know, they had individuals with the motive and the skills to commit cybercrime, um, and particularly they specialize in, in what looked like more traditional fraud. But it's not just sophisticated cyber scoff laws. Some people, like Alex and Eveline, are just run-of-the-mill criminals who are now in the hands of law enforcement put them on house arrest, and they're told, do not speak to each other. And that is where Alex makes, I think, a very big mistake. Alex contacts her using an encrypted app and says, hey, you know, they've got no proof it was us. Don't say anything. And if you do, I'm going to make up conversations incriminating you. But Evelyn was already making up a plan of her own. So... Being a smart operator that she seems to be, Eveline immediately takes this screenshot and says, look, you're American law enforcement, U.S. prosecutors. Look at these messages he's sending. So now, at this point, there's no doubt about what's going to happen here. 
Evelyn has provided substantial evidence against Alex. She thinks giving him up might help win her freedom. But... She still is on house arrest, uh, but something happens in mid-February. Two months after the arrest at the airport, Evelyn Chismaro makes a dentist appointment. There was a morning appointment for her at a, at a dentistry in Bucharest. But then... She disappears. All of a sudden, she's gone. She's uh, disappeared from Romania. The U.S. uh, start to think, well, where might she be? And they know that she'd lived in London for ages. She had a a fiancé or a boyfriend in London. And while Alex and Eveline had an on-again, off-again relationship, let's just say that right now, Alex was not Eveline's priority. Um, There were pictures of her on Instagram, you know, hanging out in sort of this very leafy area of London called Maida Vale. It's a little hard to lay low when you're living large on Instagram. The London Metropolitan Police go to this house where they believe she's living. And her fiancé or boyfriend is there, but she says she's gone. But what she didn't know is that there were two officers already behind the house. She runs into the garden, and they're waiting for her. She runs out, and according to the police, they arrest her, and as they arrest her, she starts screaming, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. They put her in the car. It's very quiet. Very quickly, she cooperates with, with prosecutors. So the London police are holding Evelyn. But now the question becomes, which country will prosecute her? The challenge with cybercrime is how transnational it is. If a criminal in Eastern Europe hacks into an American computer network, that is an inherently international offense. And now multiple law enforcement agencies in multiple countries are going to become involved. And not every country gets along. And not every country plays nice. So ultimately, solving and prosecuting international cybercrime like this one becomes a matter of relationships. The advent of the internet has made the distinction between nation states irrelevant for the crooks. That's John Carlin again. And we're still trying to figure out how to have a speedy cross-border response that takes into account this technological development. If someone remotely entered into this system, where are they coming from? How did they get here? In order to collect certain evidence, I need to go overseas. And I need to work with partners overseas to collect that evidence. And it may actually be in multiple countries where I need to serve process. And there are certain agreements that have facilitated the sharing of this type of building block information that you need. And it was a lucky break for the Department of Justice that the U.S. has such a good working relationship with England and Romania. Because if Alex and Evelyn had been operating out of, say, Russia, things would have looked a lot different. So, so Russia is essentially a criminal-free zone where you can operate with impunity as long as you take taskings from the state. That is, for the Kremlin, as long as you hack for them by day, you can hack for yourself at night. And they not only refuse to cooperate or extradite, Russia has also worked to try to oppose within its sphere of influence in other surrounding countries extradition to the United States of Russian citizens who are involved in criminal schemes. 
So the bottom line is that the U.S. was lucky that Alex and Eveline were Romanian nationals and not their Russian counterparts. Because with Romanian cooperation, the U.S. was able to pursue the full slate of charges that Alex and Eveline had racked up. One of the problems with these cybercrimes is that you are guilty of often of so many things. You name it. A lot of times there's money laundering, wire fraud, computer fraud. When you do this work, you're committing so many crimes at once, and it's not a good situation to be in. This is why I say like the, the thing here is you can do this forever, but you can never get caught. Of course, in Alex and Eveline's case, they did get caught. They're charged with 11 counts, all kinds of stuff. Conspiracy to commit wire fraud, computer fraud, trespassing in a government computer, extortion, attempted extortion, all kinds of stuff. Eveline. She gets extradited to the U.S. And uh, now she's got to find a way to, you know, get the lightest sentence possible. Her plan? To pin it all on her co-conspirator, Alex. She, uh testifies that, you know, that she has character witnesses come in. She's a very, you know, caring person. She's a good person. All these kind of character witnesses come in, paint a very uh, sympathetic portrait to her. They basically say that Alex did it all. He was the main instigator. And then she uh, has, she gets off on time served. And um, I think she has to pay like a $200 court fee of some kind. And that's it. A court fee and time served after pleading guilty to two of 11 counts. And then she goes back to the UK. Doubles down on her presence as an Instagram influencer and starts an online shop for secondhand clothes. Happy ending for her. But what about her ex, her co-conspirator? Well, let's just say he hasn't fared as well as his accomplice. He's still in Romania, imprisoned on separate charges. And if he's ever extradited to the U.S., he could face up to 20 years in prison. And that's where we leave Eveline and Alex, the would-be influencer and the prisoner in legal limbo, awaiting possible extradition to the United States. But what about the next attack? I have never seen anything like this year in terms of the plague of ransomware attacks slash extortion attacks. And he's right to be concerned. 2020 was a vicious year for ransomware. Hackers were emboldened by the pandemic to target businesses and organizations weakened by COVID-19, taking advantage of the security lapses introduced by working from home. Criminals have long since moved on from server. New ransomware services have popped up in its place. But it's not just ransomware. And it's not just individual hackers. Whole nation states are engaging in unprecedented levels of malicious cyber activity. Reporting from late 2020 revealed the so-called SolarWinds hack. Russian hackers broke into the network management software used by companies and nations alike. So far, it's been reported that they had access to the Department of Treasury, the agency that controls the electric grid, the agencies that are responsible for our nuclear weapons. They may even have had access to Microsoft source code. We still don't know the full extent of the breach, and it will be a very long time before security experts can comprehend the scope of the damage done. But this wasn't some bumbling Romanian couple. This was the full cyber arsenal of a sophisticated nation state targeting the government of the United States. As our devices are digital, you know, our cars, uh, airplanes, pacemakers, and are connected through networks, 
disrupting those networks, even for a short period of time, can have life and death consequences. The president gets inside of elevators that are connected to the internet. He speaks in rooms where the fire alarms are connected to the internet. The most, it's mind-boggling the amount of stuff that is connected to the internet. And there's this, like, I don't know, rush to, like, connect more and more and more things to the internet. And it's a rush that cyber criminals are sure to exploit. The mind-boggling possibilities for the mischief you could play will make this story of hacking security cameras before inauguration seem like, you know, like uh, quaint in retrospect. With the Internet of Things, the havoc we are potentially allowing for going forward is just dizzying. Ransomware is the fastest growing malware threat, targeting both individuals and organizations. I think the business model for these criminals has truly proven out. Now it's businesses actually getting impacted and the ransoms are much higher. Ransomware has become a tool of choice for an awful lot of criminals simply because it's very, very easy to make money very quickly. This is actually a really big public policy debate that needs to happen in our country about what is the right answer and what are we trying to do? Because the more that people pay, the more lucrative this marketplace is for the attacker. The Secret Service is increasingly being called upon to investigate cyber attacks. The most devastating cyber attack in history. The cyber weapon, not Petya, started in Ukraine in June of 2017. It has hit hospitals, banks, government agencies, and companies from Ukraine to Europe, parts of the U.S. as well. Quickly spread, paralyzing major companies and causing more than $10 billion in damage. She called me and said surgery was canceled because the computers were down. Hospitals outside Pittsburgh were among the targets. It's like they are in my bedroom. This is my sanctuary. It's all gone. That the biggest obstacle to making progress in this area is a sense of futility that anything can be done to solve the problem. Because there's no reason why, when someone is the victim of a cybercrime, that that crime goes unpunished and they never see justice. There will always be more Alex and Evelines, and they will be smarter and savvier, looking to do real damage, the kind with costs that you can measure not just in dollars, but in human lives. It isn't a question of whether this is coming. The only question is whether law enforcement can handle it. Catch a Hacker is produced by Third Way, Goat Rodeo, and me, Mika Oye, and brought to you by the generous support of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. Special thanks to all the voices who came on the show. Drew Hinshaw, Dave Marcus, Jonathan Lusthaus, Steve Nix, and John Carlin. We could not have told the story without you. Aside from this podcast, the team at Third Way has done a ton of research into cybercrime. To learn more about it, visit www.thirdway.org. And to learn more about the podcast, visit catchahackerpod.com. And if you want to hear more from Goat Rodeo, visit their website at goatrodeodc.com. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or review and share it with your friends. And if you have a story of a cybercrime, find us on catchahackerpod.com and share your story with us. If you'd like to continue the conversation online, follow me on Twitter at Mika Oyang. Thanks for listening. 
We'll have more to catch a hacker soon.